happening everyone welcome to a brand new episode of total football club my name is alex perez you can follow me on twitter and on instagram at alex perez fc subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, on spotify on google wherever you get your podcast and remember we are of course a part of the blue wire hustle family follow us on twitter and on instagram at total foot club speaking of blue wire blue wire hustle across the table from me the one, the only, Nick Deus, my guy, the host, the creator of Veterans Minimum. Dude, you're on the other side of the table today? Mm-hmm. I'm occupying your chair? Yeah. How does that feel? It's a first time for everything. No one's ever sat in that seat but me. Oh, wow. This is the first time I sit on this end, too. So okay. It's a little awkward to see black behind you because usually I always see red. Okay. But it's cool, man. You get to admire your, your studio a little more. Yeah, I... I will say that it's way nicer of a visual on this side. Okay. Because you got more artwork. It's nicer. Dude, you did an excellent job, honestly. Thanks, the, the, this is this is a great place. As soon as you step in, you feel very creative. And it is it is honestly one of those places where you just want to do work. Mm-hmm. You just want to come in and you and you want to create. And this is what we're gonna do right now. Yeah. We're gonna create. And I, I picked this, this topic to talk about with you specifically because I know that you're very knowledgeable about, about this. And, of course, we have a game coming up this Friday, USA mm-hmm. against Mexico, World Cup qualifiers. These are games that you simply cannot miss because they're so intense. doesn't matter what form each team comes in with. These games are always ridiculous. They're always high stakes. And... You've been a person, Nick, that has talked quite quite highly of USA, mm-hmm. of this new crop of incredible talent in the U.S. But you've gone as far as to say that 2026, baby, 2026 world champions. We want the cup. It's okay, coming. let's start off with that. Explain your reasoning <laughs> behind that that take that you have. Listen, uh, it's a. Uh... It's a topic I feel very passionate about. It's U.S. soccer. It's probably, I like to put it in a different tier when it comes to fandom for me because I'm I'm a huge Giants fan, Knicks fan. Those are like my top two teams. And then right below that is Rangers and Mets, right? Depending on how well those teams are doing, that's how invested I get in it. I don't want to say bandwagony because I've been rooting, <laughs> them for, rooting for them for a long time. I just have a lot going on. So I can't watch everything. So there's certain priorities. When it comes to the U.S. soccer team, that might trump all of them. Mm. It's probably my number one favorite team, I would say. It's in a different category. Nationalism, patriotism. Yeah, It's a sport that it's my first love is soccer. My side chick is football. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. That's a great way to put it. So... How this all came about, you watch you watch teams emerge 
throughout cycles of history that are not your traditional powers. And what I mean by that, Argentina, Germany, Brazil, Italy, they're always going to be good. Yeah. Then you have those golden era, those silver era of soccer players that come up at the same time, i.e. Belgium. Yes. The 2014 to current, probably the best run Belgium's ever had, number one team in the FIFA rankings. 2014 World Cup, Colombia. They had not made a World Cup since 94 when Andreas Escobar got killed with the own goal against the United States. They come back. That era of Colombian soccer between 84 to 94, they had won the Copa America, I believe. Mm. Didn't they win Copa? I'm pretty sure they won Copa America. I think they won the Copa America in 2001, but their most famous win was against Argentina in the qualifiers when they went into Buenos Aires and they beat them 5-0. They they beat the shit out of Argentina. I remember that because my favorite my favorite 30 for 30 is mm. uh the two Escobars. That's a great 30 for, for 30 for yeah. many many reasons. Um and oh so, sorry, they got third place. Oh, they were the champions in 2001, you're right. Mm-hmm. I know because they beat Mexico third place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I stand corrected. Um but yeah, man, you look at those teams like Pelé came out and said in 94, that's his pick to win the World Cup, right? So where I'm going with this is you see these teams that pop out of nowhere with like the golden era of their generation when it comes to soccer. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like the U.S. team now, this era, since failing to make the World Cup in 2018, this is the best crop of talent they have ever produced Mm -hmm. already and the main reason for that what do you think is the main reason for that uh i would say the amount of players that are in europe Mm -hmm. and that's exactly and the age that they went to europe it's not like they went at 25 26 they went at 14 15 yeah so they were really young you have a lot of players who are playing in top flight clubs juventus dortmund even though this is a pulisic jersey Mm -hmm. now plays with chelsea Mm -hmm. won the champions league last year uh, you look at Reyna, who's now with Borussia, getting a lot of playing time. Um, you look at so many guys in the Bundesliga. And you're playing on top flight clubs. You're getting a lot of playing time. And in Europe, dude, it's not like the MLS. They don't care if you're American out there. They want to know if you can play. All that other shit, the politics behind it. Oh, this kid is from this university or whatever it might be. No, no. Can you play or not? And our guys are playing at the high level, the highest level in the world. Europe is the NFL. Yeah. So every kid, whether you're from South America, Asia, Africa, it's going to Europe to play for a club like that. And you just look at the crop of players right now that are playing at high levels. Um, Tyler Adams, RB Leipzig. Yeah. Right? Playing Champions, I guess. I was watching the game the other day against Monaco. Uh, not Monaco. Sorry, PSG. PSG. I was thinking about uh, Mbappe when he started on Monaco. <laughs> but yeah, man. it's Right now, it's the era that you should be really excited for U.S. soccer. And the reason why I keep saying 2026, the World Cup is here. Mm-hmm. Dude, the final is going to be played in, in your backyard. Like, yeah. yeah. 60 of the 80 games are going to be played in the United States. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get the automatic bid. They won't yeah, need to worry gonna... about qualifying for 2026. Now you might be saying to yourself, yo, there's a World Cup in 2022 next November. Yeah, but that one we want to just get in, go through the growing pains, Lose a penalty kick shootout in the quarters to like an Italy 
or a Belgium, you know, have some heartbreak, but you take the proper steps to go into 2026. Yeah. Well, it's hard to argue against what you just said. And I do feel like the U.S. has a big advantage, not only with the resources. I think that's that's pretty obvious, right? Yeah. We, there's... I, I haven't walked around New York nearly as much because I've only been here for a couple of days. But I know that in Chicago, there's a lot of soccer fields. Mm. Uh, but the problem is that there, it is still pretty expensive to play in a club oh, yeah, team. That's, that's the biggest That's the biggest downfall to, to U.S. soccer is that it's a very expensive sport for you to participate in. Yeah, it is. Hockey is the same thing. It's very expensive. And it's not so much the soccer equipment isn't expensive, but it's playing for a travel team, playing mm. for a club team. Yeah. You play all year round. So it's very AAU-like in basketball. Um, and it's just expensive, man. I remember I had a, my, my buddy Evan. He's a uh, VP at this company in, in the city. I did a podcasting show with him talking about U.S. soccer because he played for Wisconsin. I think so I remember that. Wisconsin yeah. University is going back to like this prior to the 2018 World Cup. Because I remember I had picked Argentina. I bet a lot of money on Argentina the last couple of <laughs> World Cups. Uh, shouts to Messi, your boy. But I remember talking and he said, he's like, dude, you know, my my kids want to play club. But it's like, you, I, you can't, I can't do everything. Like, you want to play club? Cool. But that's like a five to $8,000 commitment for the summer. You can't go on vacation also because it's going to take away from, you're going to have to miss two weeks while I paid all this money. It's just a very expensive sport. Yeah. Yeah. It is It is very expensive. And that's part of the reason why I'm sure a lot of kids have been like drawn away from, from that because they, they simply can't afford it. And if you go, and, and this is an argument that I've always made, if you go to college to play soccer, you're going to come out of there 22, 23. Yeah. It's the same case that I make. It's, it's not. It's just not not very very likely for you to to go to europe and uh, when you when you compare yourself to the 23 24 year olds over there they've had seven to eight years of professional play exactly well the difference now to push back a little bit is polisic was playing in borussia at 17 right that's the formula at 17 weston mckinney is playing at schalke at 18 tyler tyler adams too at 19 years old he's playing over there there's a lot of guys or i believe he was 20 years old but there's a lot of guys that are playing now at that level. In soccer, that's the biggest downfall because in the United States, we value education. And this is not the shit on the education system. But if I have a son and I say at 14 years old, hey, man, I think you're really good. People tell me like that kid has the it factor. Mm. You always hear about the it factor. <laughs> if I'm to pull him out of school and bring him to Europe, that's kind of frowned upon. It's super frowned upon, yeah. To say, we're going to go all in on this kid to be an athlete. Like, what happens if he gets hurt and all that shit, and they put that in your head? But that's what it takes for you to be a professional soccer player and to be good at that level. Because when you graduate from college, you're 21, 22 years old. You go play for Newcastle United. Well, those kids that are on that team are the kids you're playing against in Manchester United and Arsenal and all these clubs. They're the same age as you, but they have six, seven, eight years of professional training, professional games under their belt. Yeah. It's a different animal. They've been training with 35-year-olds. Yeah. They've, man, you're, yeah. you're playing with against men. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's that, a different speed, the power, you know, getting checked off the ball and possessing it. It's it's a whole different animal. Man. Yeah. That I think you said something very, very important right there, the speed. Oh, the speed is the biggest thing. The yeah. speed of the game. It's so different, yeah, dude. Yeah. But yeah, and I mean it's 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 very different. And I I think that the MLS has come a long way. But uh, well, it's still a young still, league too. I believe very, they, it's like 27, 27 They years. haven't had their thirtieth anniversary yet. No, not yet. the The twenty fifth anniversary was last year during oh. during the pandemic. So right, yeah. yeah and it, they've expanded to more teams. Like in the beginning, I believe it was twelve or fourteen teams. Twelve, twelve teams, right? Yeah. yeah. The uh, another thing I want to throw on this take about the men's team winning the World Cup in twenty twenty six is that if you look at the players that are on the team right now, they're all in that eighteen to twenty three range. Yeah, so they're four, young. Four or five years from now, they'll be twenty three to twenty seven, and the prime. It's the prime, and if you look at the history of teams that have won the World Cup, a lot of them win it at home. Yeah, France in ninety eight, Brazil's won it at home. Germany's won it at home. I believe Italy has won it at home. Um, though Italy, Argentina won it Argentina at home in seventy eight. Won, won it at home, and then they also won it in Mexico in eighty six. That's when my dad came to the United States. His favorite player ever is Maradona. Can't blame him. After that World Cup is when he came to the United States. Okay. So there's a lot of teams that go, even if you go back to uh, South Korea, they went to the Final Four. Yeah. You go on those runs where you're at home. So it's it's something to be really excited about. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the infrastructure is incredible for, for the U.S. too. So, of course, they're going to host... The, this world cup and they're going to feel comfortable and it's 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 definitely something to look out for i don't i don't know if they're going to win it but i do think that they should have a pretty a pretty deep run in that 2026 well, world you cup see all those tweets that surface <laughs> when a team wins a championship and it's like someone tweeted it out from like 2016 to 2017 that's going to be you that's going to be my tweets <laughs> in the u.s wins the world cup that's going to be my my big explosion breakthrough is going to be that when they win the world cup okay because those tweets are going to be popping up there's a video that I put out like last year during the pandemic. I remember, Why yeah. You, and it still gets hits. Yeah. It's close to like 25,000 hits on the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember that pretty clearly, man. That's that's funny. Hope, for your sake, I hope so. And dude, um, what about now? Isn't he Mexican, Pepe? Yeah, Ricardo Pepe. Bro, now they got a number nine. That's that's an argument that I was making too when they... I think it, it was... Uh, it was the September or the October international break when they when they beat Jamaica, Pepe scored twice, and then they beat Costa Rica, and then I think they lost to Panama in between yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, they lost to Panama. Yeah, but... And he, then they bounced back with a big win. I think it was like 3 or 4-1. Yeah, they, well, Serginho does scored a, yeah, a beautiful yeah, goal. Yeah. But I feel like having a number nine makes your job as a coach that much easier. And we know that Greg Bellhouser, we can get into into that in a bit but i know that he has been questioned a lot Mm. people don't necessarily like the way that his team plays because they don't really know how his team plays so it's it's a little difficult when you don't have a real number nine that can solve any kind of problem and now you have him and he picked the u.s over mexico so it's pretty crazy it's it's very crazy and He's what, 17, 18? I believe he's 18. Something yeah. like that. He's he's a rare a rare case similar to Tyler Adams that they cracked it in the MLS very early on. You're talking about like 16, 17. Pepe plays for for FC, FC Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. He plays for FC Dallas and uh Tyler Adams, 
he played for uh the new york red bulls that's mm-hmm. why he went to to germany he he went to red bull leipzig or rb leipzig they don't like to be called red bull um but it's it, it's the very rare case could be a trend in the mls and that man if the mls becomes an export an exporting league Man, I, I don't. I honestly don't think that there would be much of a competition here in this side of the world. I think Liga MX has fallen back years. They are they are in a poor, poor position right well, now. What's the league in in this side of the world? What the Americas? Like what's what's the premier league? The Mexican league. Even with with the South American, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, really, it is. It is because of the money that they bring in, the players that they bring in. Interesting. He, and and here here's the thing. Here's the one thing that Mexico is known for. Whatever whatever Argentine, Brazilian, Ecuadorian, Colombian, Paraguayan, Uruguayan player that isn't good enough to go to Europe, Mexico snatches them up and they bring him. And he's quality, whoever that player may be. They're quality players. They just don't have enough quality or maybe they didn't have the exposure to go to Europe, mm-hmm. right? So Liga MX looks at them and they're like, okay, well, you couldn't crack it in Europe. Come over here. But now the MLS is competing. They've brought in guys like Ezequiel Barcos to Atlanta. Uh, another guy from Atlanta, Gonzalo Martinez. They both played for River Plate. And uh, is it Barcos or Palacios? I think it's Ezequiel Barco. But they they played in Argentina. And now like there was rumors that they could go to Europe. And they're still somewhat young. They're like 24, 25. Those are the players that would go to Liga MX 15, 20 years ago. They don't want to go anymore. They know the money's here. Mm. The money is here. And yeah, of course, what would you rather earn? Mexican pesos or dollars? I mean, that's a dumb question. Obviously, you know, we, we know, we all right, know right, what right. the answer is. So Liga MX was the premier, the, the premier league for many years. Maybe not so much anymore. And that, that's concerning. I never would have guessed that. I would have thought the Argentinian league because you got Boca. You got River Plate, like you mentioned, and then in, in Brazil, right? Flamengo, pa- Palmeiras, I think. Mm-hmm. Santos, Sao yeah, Paulo. Yeah. yeah, there's so many, so many great teams. But wow, so league, league. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm not saying that the Brazilian league is shit by any stretch of the imagination. Right. It's not. You go, you watch those games, and you're like, oh my goodness, these mm-hmm. guys are ridiculous. But Mexico does bring in the most money. They have the most power. Um, they. They have pretty much pushed everyone away, and they've said, you know what? We're doing things our way. If you guys agree, join us. If you don't, there's a door. They've been doing that, and sure enough, like with South America, there's not much of a relationship anymore. Uh, Mexico used to play Copa Libertadores, but of course, they're like, oh, we don't like how we're treated. We can't. We can never host a final if we make it. Well, the the one thing that I wish the MLS did, and me, I'm I don't watch the MLS. Mm-hmm. I don't watch a lot of soccer league-wise. I don't miss Champions League. Okay. We were talking about that the other night. We went to the bar how I watch all the Champions League games because it's in such a good time slot Mm -hmm. in New York. It's a Tuesday and Wednesday in the afternoon, 2.45 or 3.45, and there's no other sports going on. There's no NFL. There's no NBA. There's nothing else that I'm interested in, and it's a nice little break. And the pace is nice. The games end in two hours, yeah. right? Something we talked about on my show when you were on there. And 
that's a way to when I watch PSG, when I watch Barcelona, Madrid, I do follow Arsenal. I try to watch Arsenal as best as I could. That's my favorite team. God bless you. Yeah, it's been a been a rough, <laughs> rough decade. Um, Thierry Henry, man, my favorite soccer player of all time. Thierry Henry. Man, we we've talked about him before, and he is ridiculous. Yeah, he was ridiculous at his heyday, and even yeah. towards the end of his career, pretty good. But go on. Yeah, so I wish the MLS played in in the Copa. It'd be so fire, man. That's oh. how you would want to test yourself against the top teams. Like in uh, Atlanta FC, when they won the MLS, put them in the Copa the next year. Yeah. That dude, Jose Martinez, was... Oh, yeah. Bro, I know he had tore... I think he tore his ACL. But, dude, but you see, a- that's another example of the argument that I was making right now. That guy... 15 years ago, should be at America, not Chivas. Chivas doesn't take any foreign players. They only play with Mexicans. But he should be at Tigres, something like that. Look at where he's playing. Yeah. He's in Atlanta. Yeah. But that's crazy, though. Atlanta became such a powerhouse in soccer. Like They were having more fans per attendance than the Atlanta Falcons were. I mean. <laughs> no, this is, even, this is even the Falcons like during their Super Bowl run. That's true. Like, Atlanta that's hasn't true. been a bad football team. Yeah, they've made the playoffs a lot with Matt Ryan. They've been competitive. They've had a lot of players in fantasy, like obviously Mount St. Julio was down there. <laughs> you had Calvin Ridley, who was down there too. So you had a lot of guys that were exciting and you would pay to go see. And Atlanta FC was having a lot of people in the building, man. Yeah, huge. huge. Yeah, even I- the Sounders, the Portland Timbers. Um, I think there's a clause where those those teams in like the B division, like the USL. Those teams, you have to have a certain amount of season ticket holders to mm-hmm. be eligible to be an MLS team, like Cincinnati. Yeah, that was that, that's like one of the more recent ones. Yeah, yeah, man, and and the MLS is just bringing in as many teams as they possibly can. I wouldn't be surprised if this in like ten years it's a forty team league. Nah, that's too much, man. I'm it's already, way too I'm much. I'm already upset that they have this many teams. Yeah, a, a good very, an elite league has twenty teams. Twenty teams. Yeah, you play everyone twice, and it's you know home and away, and you just balance out the schedule like that. It's it's Americanized, right? Like every league in America has thirty or more teams. Mm-hmm. So they they probably wanted to do it like that. I'm not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's a lot. It's a lot of soccer, and it loses its its luster. Oh yeah. What do you do? You play everyone twice? You play 50 something games? That's that's a lot, man. Yeah, well they they do play a lot of games. Think about it. There's this season started in April and the regular season I think was still going on up until like last week. And it was a little bit condensed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, and and it was just announced actually. It was just announced that MLS uh the 2022 season is going to start uh, February 26th, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. And it ends like, well, there's going to be a bit of a break there because of the World Cup. So God knows when it's going to end. You know, there's... The, I'm already dreading next winter. It, yeah, especially like for you, your show. It's going to be a lot. Your dude. Yeah, the, the kind of content that, that you come up with, man, that's that must be crazy. It's going to be, yeah, I've already been like thinking about it in the back of my head. We're exactly a year away, too. No, yeah, November, the World Cup being there in Qatar is going to be brutal. In the middle of football season, playoff runs, NBA starting, yeah, a UFC event that'll pop up. Like it's just a lot. MSG because they always do it in November. November MSG card. Yeah, it's just it's going to be a lot, man. I'm really fascinated. Do you know what the leagues are going to do? 
Uh, I think they're going to go on break or are they going to play through it? I think they're going to go on break. They have to go on break. They have to. It's going to be a lot like how it was at the height of the pandemic when there was like no games going on. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a lot like that. Like seasons are going to end like in August and then you're going to start right back in like September. You are putting a lot of miles on these guys. Well, they're already complaining, man. They should be. Is it the players or the owners? No, the players. The players are complaining because those are the ones that, that they're the ones that are out there um, running around and 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 going getting on an airplane and getting treatment on an if airplane. You're, if you're a player of Mbappe stature, Neymar's, the Messi's of the world, who go on deep Champions League runs, <sighs> and you're playing in your league, and you're playing in the cup league in your country, some countries have two cup leagues, yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah, and you're playing in qualifiers, and then you're playing in international scrimmages to get accustomed to your teammates. Then you have the World Cup, which is the highest level of intensity for a soccer player when you play for your national team. It's just, I think of teams like Italy, who just won the Euro Cup, and now they go right into World Cup qualifiers, and they're in the Serie A, and a lot of players play at high-level clubs. It's just a lot, man. It's a lot of games. I would be... I would be concerned if I'm an owner and I'm playing, I'm paying this large sum of money to these players. I don't like when they go on international breaks. No, because they always country. come back hurt. They come back hurt. Or if I'm paying you 100 million euros a year or 50, whatever it might be, and then you get you pull your hamstring with your national team just to get a cap against Slovenia. <laughs> All right, no offense, Slovenia, but. Luka Doncic, shout out to him. You come back, yeah, shout out to him. You come back and you're hurt and then you miss three weeks or four weeks of my season. It sucks. Ugh. Yeah, and and the owners of the teams should, they, they probably should speak out a little more, but I'm sure that there's other reasons why they don't say because maybe there's something in it for them. I'm not I'm not making any, any bold statement here. I'm sure there is, um, but... It is what it is, man. Listen, we're going to take a short break. Then we'll get into like the, the I don't want to say the birth of the rivalry, but how you got into the rivalry between U.S. and Mexico. We got a little bit sidetracked here, but we, we, will, we will get right back to it. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about our favorite moments of, of the rivalry. We'll talk about predictions for this game coming up, but that'll be after the short break. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Total Football Club. Alex Perez and Nick Day is here joining me. All right, Nick, let's get into it. How did you, how did you get into this this rivalry? How were you introduced to this USA versus Mexico hmm. rivalry? Hmm. My first sports experience that I can remember vividly. Mm-hmm is the 2002 world oh i know where you're going that's the first time where i was what was i I was 10 i was 11 yeah i was 11 i'm in the fifth grade and that's when i was able to really understand Mm -hmm. i remember the 98 world cup the french team Mm -hmm. that's how i first fell in love with like zidane and Henri. I showed you this and I've told it on my show and I've posted it a bunch. The first sports jersey I ever got was the 2002 World Cup French mm-hmm. Zidane jersey. Still have it. Saw it. Yeah, so saw happy it. that my dad got it in a men's large when I was just 11 years old because it's still like I could still wear it. Um, 
USA goes on a run in the World Cup. They beat Portugal back then with Luis Figo, Rui Costa, and those mm-hmm. guys. Pauleta up top. Yeah. And they beat Mexico in the round of 16, 2 0. Yeah. And that's when that, because being from New York City, huge, huge Latino community, massive. I mean, I was telling you down the road where I live, it's just so many Hispanics. And my high school was white people in my high school were like the minority. It was a huge black, Spanish, and Asian community, mm-hmm. right? And when I played soccer growing up, I was always the white dude on the team. <laughs> and my high school, my freshman year, uh, the captain of our team was Mexican. Shouts to Chris. He was a senior. I was a freshman when I came in, and I didn't try out for the team because they knew me from club. We played on the same club team. Okay. So when I was 14, 15 years old, those guys were all 18 playing U18s. I was playing U14s, but there would be times we would scrimmage against them, and I would hold my own and whatnot. So they had told the coach, like, yo, white boy is good with us. (laughs) he's, He's good with us. Like, you don't need to try him out for sure. But they would all say their pregame speeches in Spanish, pelota, right? I yeah. knew shit like that. Cruzala and all that. Like I, knew, <laughs> I knew some of the terms. You know? uh, I knew that's some funny. of the terms, like some of the soccer terms. I yeah. didn't forget them, but I do remember some. But going back to that, man, it, I really got exposed to what that was like in 2002. And I just remember saying like, oh, shit, this is like the team in CONCACAF that you got to go through, like. Mexico, historically, a team who, yeah, they've never won a World Cup, but they're a team who is respected amongst the powers. Mm-hmm. Like when a Germany plays a Mexico or Brazil plays a Mexico, they get up for that game. They don't look down on the Mexican players. Whereas the Americans now are like the last decade, they're being respected by those powerhouse teams. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. 100% and it's it's the mentality that that the American athlete has and it's funny that you mentioned the 2002 World Cup because for me that's like the first memory as well I remember Damn, you were like what four four I was four I remember crying when Mexico lost the USA I, I remember crying in bed um, I I don't rem- I don't think I don't think I had my own room because we lived in an apartment. So I, I remember I was, I was well, the game was early, but I think I caught the replay. Yeah, because those games, and dude, that's another thing. The games were in Asia. Yeah, and I would get it. Dude, I was four years old and I was watching these World Cup games. My dad wakes up at two in the morning for work to this day. And I remember he would wake me up and we would watch the first half of the 2.30 Eastern time games. Wow. And then he would leave for work and I would go back to bed. Wow, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I remember Germany played Saudi Arabia. What that game ended like eight nothing eight zero. Yeah, yeah bro, <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. yeah, but that old two World Cup. Yeah, that I I also in in that World Cup it was like Ronaldo, 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 just Ronaldo. I wore the jersey to I and I brought it here. Yeah, it was his it was World beautiful. Cup. Beautiful. Thanks, man. I want to steal it. <laughs> listen man i'm 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 a small dude so i don't know you you might wear it to bed or something like that because you know you're you're you're, that was the first thing that i saw i was like, all right this could definitely fit me oh okay (laughs) no because you're big and you're you're a buff guy thanks man thank you for putting me over absolutely dude anytime um so yeah we have the same first memory 
of the rivalry. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that is crazy. I mean, you were twelve. I was, I was four. I don't even think I was four yet because my birthday's in August and the I World was Cup. Eleven. I was eleven for sure. Yeah. My birthday's in March and that World Cup was in June, July ish. So, yeah, because yeah, I'm a ninety-one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that's crazy that that we have that first memory. Ronaldo and it was Oliver Kahn for Germany. Yeah. Michael Bollock, young mm. Michael Bollock. You had asked me a couple of. Oh, we weren't recording anything. We were like, yo, who are some of your favorite soccer players? And he was one of them. Yeah, Michael Bollock. That, that really, really surprised me. really shocked me. That was yeah. th- that was cool. That It's always nice to hear players like Dude, that. I played I played soccer, and I was really good. Like, I was very, very good. Um, and I stopped playing when I was 16 to play football. So a lot of times I get asked, like, what my biggest regret in life is. Right? It was something I ask on the Patreon. And for me, it was probably quitting soccer when I did because I was really good. Like, we had just went to Greece played really well in this tournament um with cosmos and i stopped playing because i fell in love with football and now i had a good it's hard to become a professional don't get it twisted i'm not saying that but i had a great chance if i continued playing soccer because i really stopped at like my peak Mm. and then flip side of that is is it really a regret because i fell in love with football and that's giving me everything that i'm doing now so it's not really a regret but from a playing yeah that that probably i would say but i loved guys like pirlo um uh gilberto silva jesus played for arsenal wow what a name drop bro i played defensive midfield man okay i was never a fast guy yeah never ran fast but i had I was a gas tank guy. 90 minutes, no problem. Yeah. I got tired. I was good on set pieces. I was good in the air. Played long balls. Chick stick the long ball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I love David Beckham, Bollock. Yeah. Michael Essien on Ghana was a big guy of mine. I know he was a little later on, but I love My guy, players. Michael Essien. Shout I out to him. players like him and players like that. Yeah. Wow. But that's another guy from the O2 World Cup. Yeah. He really balled out. Yeah. Michael Bollock. Wow. That's that's crazy dude you, didn't know, you thought i didn't know about Gilberto silva right well he, he played, played for arsenal, arsenal yeah, and i i will Patrick say this Pierre ah you beat me to it i was, knew you yeah, were gonna yeah, say yeah. something like that Him yeah and, uh, makalele okay yeah those guys i i love the holding the holding midfielders was my my favorite position okay so right now you would be like into an angolo Kante kind of player yeah like that's who you would yeah, Conte, Jorginho. Jorginho, yeah, of course. Those are the kind of guys where Jorginho takes all the set, like he takes all the penalty kicks, corners, <laughs> shit like that. Like that's yeah. the kind of player that that I was like. Uh, that's interesting, man, because those that position very rarely gets any love, very oh, rarely no. gets any shine. Up until like this Euro, when people were were looking at Jorginho and they well, were seeing what he back, did. I think the 2018 World Cup oh, with Conte, with Conte, because right. remember with Leicester. That's true. Yeah, they, that's really when that position started getting love. Yeah, like yo, Conte is the the anchor of that whole team. Yeah, then he leaves, goes to Chelsea, and they become a powerhouse. So, I mean, they were always a powerhouse, but he, yeah, that guys like that, they're very underappreciated because you're not scoring goals. No, you're doing a lot of the dirty work. There used to be this kid, James, still friends with him now. He was an attacking midfielder, but he was very skilled, very technical, very flashy. Yeah, Asian kid, and he uh, he had played for the national team for Indonesia too. Oh, wow. And we played on the same club team together. And our school rivals, your boy Chris, who you do your show with. Shout out to Chris. Shout out to Chris. 
the high school he went to in my high school, we were rivals. Mm. James went to that high school with my buddy Petey, and I went to to Brian High School, and we were like arch nemesis. We played each other twice a year, and he played attacking midfield. I played defensive. So when we played each other in high school, we were going up against each other. Yeah, and there was one game where I completely just like blanketed him just because I knew his every move, right? And we were so good because that position, like Conte, like Jorginho, the guy ahead of you is allowed to do all the dumb shit that he does. And what I mean by dumb shit is like he's allowed to get creative. He's allowed to turn the ball over in the midfield, which you should never turn the ball over in the midfield. No, You allow them to do your step overs and all those moves because you have a guy behind them that could clean up. And that's what I was. It's the cleanup guy. Nice. You don't get the same. You don't get the same attention as the attacking guys. Yeah, no, because you said it best. You don't score the goals. Yeah, that that's that's actually pretty pretty cool to hear. It, yeah. it, it's nice to hear. My my brother's a, a defender, and uh, he he plays fullback sometimes, and he he doesn't. He he rarely scores a goal. Right? He'll rare, rarely score a goal. But it's it's funny hearing. So I got uh, I got my fix from scoring goals because I took all the set pieces. Okay. So I would score free kicks. I scored a corner. Off a corner, like the bend in yeah. high school. My freshman year, I led the entire city in yellow cards. Of course. As a freshman. Of course. Um, And I scored, I think, eight goals my freshman year. And I was playing out of position in my high school. I played like left wing. Terrible. But that's where I was playing. Jack Grealish type. Yeah. Not very speedy, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you were doing... Crafty, crafty. Yeah, crafty. Let me ask you this, Nick. Mm-hmm. How, how do the Americans... People who have absolutely no ties to Mexico, bringing it all back. How do you guys view the Mexican national team? Because I can view it one way, but I'm Mexican-American. So I feel like my view is a little skewed. You have no dog in this fight. How do you view the Mexican national team? Forever a quarterfinalist. <laughs> in every major tournament, when I think of them, not obviously not Gold Cup and CONCACAF. Yeah. But when it comes to like a world stage, quarterfinals, that's like the ceiling that I think of them. And they have a lot of guys who play better, I feel like, for the Mexican team than they do for club. Yes. I'd say most of them. So, I mean, the the most famous one, I would say, is Blanco, right? And then uh, Neri Castillo used to play for a team in Greece. Yes. He was like a forward. What a name drop. Dude, these name drops are getting me really excited right now. And I mean, Marquez is probably the the, the most well-known one, right? He's, to me, he's the best Mexican player of all time. Yeah, played Barcelona, staple. That's the reason why I root for Barcelona. Yeah, and he's from the same state that my parents are from in Mexico. So he's about, uh, he's like a two-hour drive away. Like his hometown is like a two-hour drive away from my parents' hometown. Yeah. So the Mexican team, they're a team who like, you're not going to blow them out. I, I don't. I don't remember a lo- like a 5-1 loss or a 3-0 loss. Like it's always going to be 1-0, 2-1, a draw. They're going to play you tough. They're a scrappy team. And their guys do play better. I'm happy that you agreed with that because it's also nice. It's nice to hear it from someone who has no dog in the fight and then someone who actually follows. And if you can align your analysis, that's very telling. Yeah. So for you to say that those players play better for their national team than they do for club makes me feel better. Like, all right, this is making sense what I'm seeing. No, absolutely. And there's a lot of players that don't, they don't really get much of a shot. Like they go to Europe and they don't get much of a shot in, in Europe. Why that is, I have no idea. Maybe they don't work hard enough, which that is a bit of a stereotype with the Mexican player. 
they they reach Europe and suddenly they think that they're Messi. Suddenly they think they're well, Ronaldo. Wasn't it the 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 Dos Santos brother? Oh god. Yeah. He played on Barcelona for a little bit. Both of them did. Both of them. But I mean, one of them is pretty much retired. The the older one and then the younger one plays for Galaxy. I think he still plays for Galaxy or his contract was terminated, something like that. But it's, oh, dude, Chicharito too. How did we forget him? Yeah, he's Ch- another. Yeah. he's probably the most marketable Mexican soccer player ever. He is, and he also of the name too, and he yeah. played on big clubs: Real Madrid, Manchester Man United. Yeah, 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 yeah. So with with him, the the thing is that I feel like his career, and this is something that uh, Mariano Trujillo from Fox, shout out to him. Uh, Mariano Trujillo said that Chicharito is the best Mexican player of all time. That's what he thinks, and he says. I can. I, uh, that's not a crazy take. If he's not yeah. one, he's two. He explained it perfectly. I'm like, okay. Uh, I, I do feel like maybe we forget about Hugo Sanchez. He's he's like Hugo from the Sanchez. 80s, yeah, yeah, with with uh, with the Chilena, you know, the bicycle kicks and stuff like that. He he made that pretty relevant. But yeah, man, I I just feel like with Chicharito, the thing with him is that he went to Europe. He killed it the first season. He was okay the second season, and then he just fizzled out. And then he had that odd good season with Bayer Leverkusen. And then at West Ham, he didn't cut it. He had like a nice three, four game streak where he scored consecutive goals. But then he went to Sevilla. Then he came back to this side of the world. So it just, I don't want to say that he hit lightning in the bottle because that is very unfair. But yeah, man, I, I it, it's hard to disagree with you because with him, with, with Chicharito, he would, he would go six, seven games without playing at Manchester with David Moyes and then he would come over here and he scored a goal against Croatia in in that uh group stage game in the 2014 World Cup by the way I don't think I've ever celebrated as much as when we beat Croatia nothing against Croatia but yeah, it was just also beat Germany too that was in 2018 that 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 game I I I think that that game took some years off my life like I'm convinced that that game took some years off my life like my mom walked in as when the game was over. She's like, dude, you're pale. I'm like, I know. I don't feel my hands. It was crazy. It was crazy. But with Croatia, like, I enjoyed that game so much. I celebrated it so much. Anyway. Um, I'm going to have to show this to Alan because he's Croatian. Well, I think I'm going to see him later. Yeah. Right? yeah. I'll tell him. It's okay. I'll tell him. <laughs> I'll tell him. And we beat him in the O2 World Cup That's as well. Right. We beat him with a penalty like, with the Cuauhtémoc Blanco. But, yeah, I'm, I feel like the your view of the Mexican national team, dude, spot on. Mm. Everyone sees us like that. Everyone sees it like that, except for us. We think that we're world champions. We think that we yeah. should be world champions. Like, no, what have we done to prove it? What, we won a World Cup U-17? Cool. Cool. The under-17s, they've won it twice. Good for them. We've all celebrated. But, yeah, we've, see, we've seen that happen, though. Like, Switzerland won the World Cup, the U-19s. This, this era of the Swiss players. Ukraine. Uh, yeah. Shakiri, the goalie, Sommer. Oh, yeah. Um, Rodriguez, yeah. the back. Shaka, yeah, Shaka I think Shaka played for Arsenal, but it doesn't mean much if you can't follow through with it. You know, when when Brazil wins a U twenty or a U seventeen World Cup, you're like, okay, there's going to be a lot. Like a lot of these guys are going to be playing for City, Barca, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Arsenal, um, whatever the case may be. Can I can I give you a Brazil take? Yeah, as long as Neymar's on the team, they'll never win a World Cup. It hurts, but it's true. They won the Copa without him. They did. And then with him, they, they lost the final to Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, man, there's just something about it. He's a hell of a player. Right now, he's my favorite player to watch. Yeah. 
across all sports, he might be my favorite player to watch. When he's on, man, talk about flash, charisma, <sighs> skill. But there are games where he just goes completely missing. Yeah. And with Brazil, he's a hell of a player. Could it be the pressure of being the number 10 for Brazil? Because that's, that means a lot. Could be. But I don't think they win a World Cup with him on the team. Interesting. Very interesting. I know that I threw a little curveball at you, but it's something I've wanted to share for a while. I like it. I definitely... I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind. And I will also say this, Nick. If you want to watch a game where Neymar absolutely balled out... It's and the 6-1 against PSG, right? I wasn't even thinking of that one. I was thinking of like game. a very obscure obscure game but yeah that's a great example that's but the one the that take i over yeah yeah and the one that i was thinking about is a quarterfinal in the champions league last year against atalanta where atalanta started winning they were winning up until like the 88th minute but neymar was balling out and bape was hurt so it was just neymar neymar was doing everything he was playing unbelievable and he didn't score a goal in that game so it just shows you that when he wants to he takes over um, all right. What's your favorite memory of of the rivalry between US and Mexico? Your absolute favorite, you're going to tell this this uh, you're going to talk about this memory to your kids, to your grandkids. This might be recency bias, but I think the final over the summer in the Gold mm. Cup mm-hmm. because But in was- the Gold Cup or the Nations League? Because remember they played two like in the month. Yeah, well, the one that the uh, Turner, st- uh, no, not Turner, uh, Horbath, Horbath. Oh, no, I think that was the actual Gold Cup. The uh, they both went to extra time. The one that was played in Vegas, I believe. So. No, not the one in Vegas. Oh, okay, so then it's it was the one a Nations that League. Played. Okay, it was a Nations League then. Yeah. yeah, that one I think because you got to see that that should be the world the World Cup roster. That 11 that the U.S. put out, with the exception of like maybe Pepe sliding in, that should be the 11 you go with. And to see them play against Mexico and to battle back and to have some fuckery go against them too and then the changing goalie, um, that I would say is the my favorite one. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good memory for U.S. I'm, I'm assuming it is. Not so much for... For me, but yeah, Pulisic yeah. scores the penalty, and then they that give was up a the, beautiful yeah, penalty, by they, the way. Then they give up the penalty, and, and he, he miss, saves it. Guardado missed, unreal, yeah. unreal. That With was the backup goalie too. Like yeah. that was gangster, bro. That was, that was. It, it showed a lot of American grit. Yeah, yeah. What would you say is your favorite? My favorite, two thousand nine, uh, on the road to the twenty ten World Cup, Mexico USA Estadio Azteca, Azteca Stadium. Uh, USA starts winning, and then uh, I don't remember who scored from like, from like at the beginning of the final third of US fi- US's final third. Just has a shot, a banger, ties it up, and then like at the seventy eighth, eighty like eighty second minute, this uh, this player named Miguel Sabah, no one watching this, I'm assuming no one knows who he is, he scored with literally there was no angle for him to score, and he just toe pokes in, and it. Goes over Tim Howard, 2-1. Mexico wins. The Azteca Stadium loses their shit. Incredible. It was played like on a Wednesday at 3 p.m. 
Um, I remember Mexico had just changed managers. They had Sven Goran Eriksson as manager. Remember him? He was a manager. Then, then, then oh, they, the England 2002 team. Exactly. And then they they brought in Javier Aguirre, who was a staple of Mexican soccer. Great player. Played in the 86 World Cup. Coached in the 02 World Cup. Came in to save Mexico. His first game in that World Cup qualifier was actually a loss to El Salvador. And then he comes in and he beats USA. And then they just cruise to a to a qualifying spot for for South Africa 2010. That was one of my favorite memories because I was a little bit skeptical that maybe they weren't going to go to the World Cup, but they beat the US and I'm like, okay, I think I think we're going to play in June next year. Mm-hmm. I think so. But that was great, man. And listen, I'm sure there will be a lot of people here that that will agree and they will know that that a uh, that this is how how we all feel. As a Mexican American, I will always root for the US unless they're playing against Mexico. If they're playing against Mexico, I'm wearing green. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. That's how I was taught. That's how I was raised. I didn't have a US shirt until I was like 12. So, yeah, I I didn't really root much for the US. It was all Mexico and I <laughs> I don't want to say that I blame it, but I I I think in in part of it it is because of my uncles and the way that they watch the game obviously, you know, they're they migrated here to this country and and the, that's it people might say well oh, like you're american why don't you root for the u.s i do root for the u.s and i hope that they win the world cup in 2026 you know but and i, I do think that they're closer to winning a world cup than mexico is oh nice i i don't i would agree too i just don't see it with mexico we always shoot ourselves in the foot yeah always always but yeah that, that's my favorite memory um really quick before we wrap up who do you think wins this this first qualifying game of this of the 2022 is it is the game in the states it's in cincinnati yuck i know it should be played in columbus should be played in new york yeah but they usually whenever you mexico comes to town it's usually to columbus but in new york i that that would be pretty cool that'd be dope because i think they sell out yeah. yeah well, in Cincinnati, it's sold out. It's yeah. been sold out for like a month. Yeah, but what's the capacity in Cincinnati? I have no idea. I think I should look that up. Met Met Life is like close to seventy five thousand people. Yeah, and there'd be a lot of Mexicans. Yeah, a lot yes. of Mexican fans too. Who do you think wins? Or what do you think? Oh, it's twenty six thousand. By the way, mm-hmm. it's not that many. Yeah, it's about three times the size Met Life is today. And it was just open in May. Well, you know, I'm pretty sure Pulisic isn't going to be with the team. Uh, I think he should be. There's an American guy who's not coming. Is it Dest? Yeah, he's hurt. There's a big name American guy who's not coming. Yeah. Look, man, uh, a draw would be nice. Getting points. You should get points. And it's a good test. Look, this is the only game that I for sure tune into. (laughs) You should be beating Panama. You should be beating Costa Rica. You should be beating those teams. The The class of CONCACAF is the U.S. and the Mexican team. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. It 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 definitely is. And what your official prediction? You're gonna? I, I think a tie. Uh, okay. I think a tie. A win would be nice. They are more likely to win at home than they are to win in Mexico. Yeah, in Mexico, it's very difficult. So I I think a tie. Be unless they unless they send Reyna, they send Pulisic, they send all their guys. That would be dope. It, well, I I do think that that the only player missing is going to be Sergio Dest. Uh, and looks like uh, John Brooks isn't gonna go. I mean, yeah, but but yeah, it's it's uh, 
it, it's it's looking very likely that Pulisic is going to play, and I feel like he's a big X factor in this in, in in this team. I I think we can even look up. Yeah, we still have some time. I got the roster in front yeah, of me. Yeah, I was going to look it up right now. But yeah, go on. Who who's uh who do you think is is missing, and who do you think? Shouldn't. McKinney's gonna be there. Musa, Musa's another guy I like a lot. Yunus Musa, yeah, Valencia player. I like him a lot, man. Tyler Adams is gonna be there. Okay. Feisty, he's a New Yorker, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, I can tell. Very feisty player. Um, Pulisic is gonna be there. Pepe's gonna be there. Aronson's gonna be there. Um, Tim Weah, who I was very high on because his dad was a George Weah, iconic player for AC Milan. Ballon d'Or winner. I think yeah, the only man. African player only to African win. African player. And think about how many great. African soccer players there have been so many so 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 many yeah but, they're sending Stefan he just read up on Manchester City also yes. Matt Turner's gonna be there so look outside of Dest it's pretty much everyone that you're gonna see and, and there's no Reina too so no Reina no Dest that's massive because two of the five best players that they have yeah interesting okay um I I think that just based on form Based on form, uh, USA has been very underwhelming this whole process, this whole qualifying process. I think that they've been very underwhelming, and so has Mexico. They lack that goal-scoring ability. They kind of can't score at will. They score when things are like perfectly aligned. Um, so, I don't know. I, I feel like both teams have been underwhelming. They're kind of just cruising through, but I don't know, man. Um, well, that I think one big issue that both of them face is the weakness of CONCACAF. Exactly. So then when you exactly. do, you know what would be dope? I think I've asked you this off air before conversations we've had, but why doesn't the top four CONCACAF teams go to Copa America? That's the same question I've been asking myself for like five years. Didn't they used to do that they way used to. back in the day? Yeah, it, w- it would be Mexico would always go. Um, and, and then they then sent Jamaica. They, they sent they the sent U.S. Them. also. Yes. But that's when the U.S. was bad. <laughs> send them down there. Send them down there to to compete with Uruguay and Paraguay and Colombia, Brazil, Argentina. That's how you grow. That is how you grow. And that, you know, even Canada's not that bad now. Canada Davies might be the best North American soccer player right now. Dude just turned twenty one. Yeah, that is wild. That's crazy. That is wild. That is. That is crazy. When they won the Champions League with Bayern Munich. He was 19. He was the best player on the field yeah. in that final against PSG. Yeah. And in that whole run. Yeah. Didn't they beat the shit out of Barca, Barcelona? 8-2. 8-2. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. That was bad. <laughs> that, that was one of the few moments where I questioned my my fandom. But um, yeah, I, I think they play to a draw. I think it's going to be somewhat of a high scoring draw. I think 2-2 would be ideal for this type of situation. And yeah, for Mexico... And then Mexican media hates to say these things, but I'm going to say it because I'm fair. They need to get points. In Mexico, no, you have to beat USA because USA can never be better than us. And that's kind of how they view USA here or in, in Mexico. They can never be better than us. They're better at, at, at us. They're better than us at everything except for this. This is what we have over them. And we cannot let them have this too. So it's always like, no, 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 we have to win. We have to win. We have to win. I think they play to a draw, 2-2. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be crazy, as it always is. It's going to be cold, I'm assuming. Very mm. cold. So I think they play to a draw. A 2-2 would be very exciting. Let's wait and see. Let's see what happens. 
I think a lot of countries feel that way about the U.S. It's a take that I've never heard. But if you think about it, USA is, they dominate a lot of things yeah. worldwide. Yeah. And soccer is not an American sport. It's the world sport. It's the world's game, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like even though the U.S. has been bad compared to these other teams, those other countries get up for it to back what you said. No, nah, no, nah, this is our shit. Mm-hmm. You could be better than us in all the other sports, all the other stuff, track and field, whatever it might be. Football, basketball, Football, baseball. Yeah. But this is ours. Mm-hmm. You still got a lot of ways to go. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's not something and the camera's about to about to roll. That's fine. I I think we got what we wanted. We're we're good with that. But uh just to close out, this isn't something that I'm just saying because I I think it. This is something that I've heard from so many people. You go to and and it's something even with mexico like there was a, a big sign outside or, or at, in, in the stands when they went to el salvador and it said we don't care if we don't qualify to the world cup as long as we beat mexico that's like going to the world cup it's something along i don't think the sign would have that many words but that's kind of along the lines of like okay like yeah like we don't care if we lose eight two or nine zero, whatever, like to some other team, but against you guys, we have to make your lives miserable for these ninety minutes. Shit. Two days before that, we'll go to your hotel, we'll pull the fire alarm, we'll we'll serenade you, we'll do everything, everything that we have to do to distract you. Um, yeah, playing playing the Concacaf qualifiers, like yeah, the quality on the pitch is very poor, horrible man. But going, but when you go to those countries. They legit hate you, mm. and and this goes for the Mexicans too. Oh, of course. They in Central America, like I'm not saying that it always happens, but in Central America, it's like Mexico's in town. Let's pop the the, the tires of of the bus that, that they're in. Let's go to the hotel, pull the fire alarm. Wow. Let's whenever they're they're going into the stadium, let's throw rocks at the bus. Let's let's get in the way. Let's cause traffic. Let's. Let's cut all the uh, all the hot water in their locker room. Shit like that. They do that all the time. And they do it to the U.S. as well. They do it to the U.S. as well, but it, it all started with Mexico. Wow. <laughs> it started with Mexico. They, they would treat them like that. But, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I'm saying the quality on the pitch, shit. Outside, good luck. It's hell. It, it's definitely hell. All right. Um, anything else you want to add about this? What um, you want to? Nah, man. 2026. They'll be hosting... The, they'll be hoisting the cup. Oh, wow. I love the confidence, dude. And the smile. Your smile just gets Yo, b- bigger and bigger every time you say it. I'm speaking it into existence, man. I've already started saving money to go to that final, regardless of who it is. I, yeah. I hope everything is good and I can take my pops. My dad went to 1994. Bulgaria, Italy, semifinal. Met, uh, giant stadium. Semifinal. Wow. Stoichkov. You remember him? Used to play for Barcelona, Bulgaria. Play for Chicago Fire too. He was yeah. arguably one of the greatest set piece takers of all time. What a left foot! And, and my dad sat right behind him, scoring the goal against the Italian goalkeeper. I think his name was Bayuka because my dad has told me this story many times. <laughs> he's like, he's just he comes up, he puts the ball down, and he's just laughing at the goalie. Like you have no idea what's about to happen to you. He went one way, ball went the other way, two one, and then Bulgaria played a really really good second half. That's when Brazil won the World Cup in 94 against Italy in penalty kicks. Baggio missed the, the PK. So he always tells me about that. And it's a it's a bucket list of mine, man, to to go to a World Cup. 
I yeah. want to go to a World Cup bad. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting chills. I was going to go to the Euro Cup last year before COVID hit. I won four tickets. You ever tried to get tickets to a Euro Cup or World Cup? No, but I know that it's like a lottery. It's a lottery. It's, it's yeah. just like getting sneakers. So when you go on the sneaker app, you have to win a bid. Yeah. You win a raffle to have the right to buy them. That's how it is with World Cup and Euro Cup tickets. So I won Copenhagen, a game at Copenhagen, Dublin, and then in Paris. I didn't know who was playing. I just knew match day two, game three, Copenhagen. Wow. So you were going to watch Denmark against Belgium. I guess that's the game. That and the, the, that was the game after the Christian Eriksen stuff. Yeah, that would have been. That, oh, my God. That a game. I don't know who played in Paris, but that would have been a game. And then I won tickets to. I think Paris and Dublin were actually scratched like two months before the Euro was played this summer. They were scratched. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And then I had tickets to one of the semifinals in London because my buddy's oh. wife now. She's from London. Okay. We we're going to stay at his. At his place. Peter, the the one that I said I played soccer with, but he played for the rival high school. Okay. What, was it going to be semifinal one or two? Uh, that I don't remember. Mm. That I don't remember. But I do they remember were both vividly. Good. It, was the, it was the second Copenhagen game. Okay. Yeah. So it, it would have been that one. Yeah. Man. Fire. <sighs> That's crazy. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. The pandemic really really threw a wrench into everyone's plans all right nick thank you so much thank you for doing this i appreciate this was fun i don't get to talk much about soccer unless it's like a a a general talking point or a major tournament so this was this was dope absolutely man well welcome to our world this is what we do every week chris was supposed to be here but you know he had a, a bit of an emergency to 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 attend to and we hope everything's okay with him i'm sure it will be okay with him but uh but yeah this is what we do man this is what we do every week. It's a lot of fun Lit. Um, doing all the research. I mean, you do the same thing, except it's a different sport. You you watch football and you watch basketball and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, if, if if you guys don't know this, Nick is a big reason as to why we we became a part of the Blue Wire Hustle program, of the Blue Wire Hustle Network. It all sounds very, 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 very professional and very nice. But thanks to Nick, we uh, we were able to to do this and they believed in our work and sure enough we're here i appreciate that nick Anytime, thank you so bro. much i'm speaking on behalf of chris and myself uh we really appreciate that and we appreciate you being here and letting us use your space this is this is incredible man uh let the people know where they can find you sure at veterans minimum is the name of the show you can find everything vm anywhere it's at veterans minimum and at nick day is 10 is where you can find me on social media as well there you go and uh, that's it from us thank you so much uh we'll be back in our regular setup next week but new york city we did it thank you so much everyone take care goodbye